0: Welcome to Cooking the Books, the food and hospitality podcast discussing all aspects of the industry. We interview chefs, butchers, farmers, brewers, winemakers, restaurateurs, restaurant managers, and we talk about how they got to this point through the good times and the bad. We discuss what motivates them every day and what they've got planned for the future. This is Cooking the Books. This week on Cooking the Books, we have Andrew Murch, head sommelier at Point Leo Estate in Mornington. Andrew started his career as a designer in London, but his love of food, wine and socialising took him away from the job that he was very good at, to follow his passion. We talk all things wine, and hopefully we touch on a few points that might come in useful in the future for everyone. And today's podcast, as always, is brought to you by City Larder, the charcuterie specialists focusing on terrines, pates, and rillettes for the retail market and food service here in Australia. Now, over to the show. Andrew, thanks very much for doing this. I honestly appreciate your time and you coming all the way down from Mornington. Uh, it's a, it'll be a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. No problems. Um, can you just tell us how you got into the wine industry? Because you're not initially from, that isn't your background,
1: is it? No, so, um, gosh, when would you like me to start? When it kind of all started Yeah, happening.
0: when you started getting, yeah, well, I guess well, yeah, you, you got the taste of it, let's say.
1: Yeah, okay, so, um, okay, when did I get into the wine industry? It would have been when I moved um, from London over to um, Melbourne. Yeah. I'd come here for a weekend and spent a bit of time with my cousin. We'd been out and about... For a whole weekend and drinking on rooftop bars, and I just knew Melbourne was a place I wanted to live.
0: So you you were in London at this time doing what?
1: Uh, I was a designer. Yeah. So yeah, I was working as a production designer, building furniture, um, producing graphics mostly for kind of experiential marketing, and yeah, so different to what I do now. Yeah. Um,
0: and did you enjoy wine then, or? Not?
1: Yeah, I did. I, I didn't. I, I enjoyed it on maybe a little bit of a. Superficial level. Um, I lived in southeast London, and down the road from me was a wine shop I used to go to, um, and you know I spent a bit of time there um, buying wine, not really engaging much with what I was drinking, but enjoying wine.
0: Yeah, the social aspect.
1: With- yeah, yeah, that's what I've always loved. Yeah. I've always loved to drink. There's yeah. no denying that. When I moved to Melbourne, I um, the the idea was to continue my design career, Um, and in order to do that, you know, that wasn't gonna happen instantly, so I got a job in a cafe on Chapel Street. I walked down Chapel Street, I saw a piece of paper in a window, and went in. Didn't know what it was, and thought, I could do that. And wait tables, make coffee, whatever. Yeah, yeah, not, you know, they wouldn't let me within a mile of the coffee machine. But, um, you know, I waited tables, and I was awful. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No joke, I was so bad. (laughs) But one day, um, I think because I was so bad, um, one of the managers there took me one side and said, "You know, hospitality, you know, cafes, you, you know, you should do this and do that." And it started to fascinate me a bit, and I enjoyed it. And it was truth that I really enjoyed the work. I enjoyed the social aspect, The was, interaction as well. Yep, yeah, yeah. Because largely designing is sitting uh, in a room on your own.
0: What is that like? I, honest, I it's funny you should say that. I, I drove by. Um, I went over the Yarra, you know, I love that part of the city where you go over the Yarra um, up near Amy Park and you see all the buildings, you know, when you look down the Yarra and you see all the buildings all the lit up. It was, it was last Thursday. Yeah. And you know what? I've never, ever, ever been in an office. Never. <laughs> ne- never in my life. N- like, yeah. office in a restaurant. Yeah. Office in- I've never been in one of them, like, dividers. I've seen it on telly. Yeah. Or in- I've never been in that environment. Yeah, what's it like in that
1: environment? I'll be honest, neither have I. Like, I've okay. never had a real job yeah okay. um, you know when I was um, coming through university or even before then I went and did a work experience at an architect's office and um, but usually when I was designing it was usually like in a workshop maybe somewhere in East London oh, okay. or at my house. Um, Quite quirky yeah we, yeah, we yeah. did have a little studio. Down the road from where I lived actually. Mm. Have you so you've never been in one of them offices either? No. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
0: I looked at it and it, it was like, fuck, I've never been in one of them. I wonder what it's like that that world. Like it, it's a completely different world. Anyway, go on, sorry. Keep we'll, go on. One day we'll find out. Yeah.
1: we we'll do we'll do a discussion <laughs> So, so you ain't do work experience? Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Andrew, this is Rob. Yeah. Um so where was I? Yeah, so I, I this this cafe was um Cafe Orange and had a great reputation back in the day. Um Wasn't much of a wine program there. I I wasn't really engaged with the wine. I was more working during the day in the cafe. But one day, uh, the guy who did kind of run the wine program sat us all down and did a wine training, and he kind of explained to us that you didn't taste wine with your mouth and your tongue. You kind of tasted wine with your nose and with your sense of smell. And he drew a little map of a tongue and showed us kind of where you kind of... um, experienced sweetness and acidity and bitterness and tannins and it fascinated me i really i really it kind of just spoke to me somehow i don't know why but I, i found it quite engaging and i knew um and also i just took my job at that cafe quite seriously more seriously than anyone else um you know largely it was um lots of people turning up and having a laugh and I really like was quite serious about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You want to progress.
1: Yeah, I just you know, I really wanted to um it was all about the customer for me. I really wanted to provide excellent service. Um, and then I knew I wanted to move into um, fine dining and get out of something that was too casual. So I went and worked at Donovan's and then I that's when I started observing somebody so as a waiter. As a waiter, yeah. yeah so okay. it was first first kind of First time I engaged with fine dining, um, the first time really um, that there'd been a wine-focused waiter there, and, and and kind of. So are you so you're saying that this cafe, Orange, yeah,
0: you then went out to do a bit more of a wine program there, did you? Is that no, what you said? No, no, no. no. Oh, so you went to to um, Donovan's. Donovan's. With a limited wine experience, but you
1: knew that you were interested in wine. Is that, yeah, what's it called? No, they took me on because I think they were probably just looking for waiters. Oh, just a waiter, yeah. And uh, I remember they sat me down one day and because they wanted me to work in the bar. Yeah. Maybe because I wasn't doing a very good job on the floor. <laughs> but they said to me, um, you know, we want you to work in the bar. We're a bit worried about your wine knowledge, though. Um, can you tell us what, you know, the differences between... Margaret River Sauvignon Blanc and New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, and I didn't, didn't have a clue. And they said, that's okay, that's something we can work on, but let's put you in the bar for a few shifts, and I did it, and then I started kind of just paying a little bit more attention to the wines by the glass, having a little bit more of a rapport and relationship with the sommelier. So what age are you at this point, do you reckon? Uh, I kind of started quite young, so um, it's probably about... Realistically, this was probably about six years ago. Far out. Yeah, so um, I would have been about twenty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. Quite, you know, a lot of people start, you know, in, in their youth. Yeah, 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 for sure. So no, it's been I, the pretty yeah, fast track, have not it? I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which is great and bad for different reasons, but um, yeah, working in the bar and then being out on the floor a little bit more and managing to um, kind of my own wine service going and talk to people a little bit about wine and then realising you could actually progress into a career in wine yeah well. it's a job you didn't realise it was yeah. actually yeah. a job yeah 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 well coming from England as well oh, definitely you know hospitality is a pretty serious thing out here and, and and I think growing up in England you don't really probably different for you because you worked in some serious restaurants in the UK but having uh, worked in a pub when I was a kid uh, and then thinking to myself, you know, all I want to do is get a, a nine to five job. You know, I don't think hospitality is treated with the same respect maybe over there. I, Am I right I, in saying No, that? I
0: think so. I think so, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. In um, in the elite level, amongst peers, it definitely is, isn't yeah. it? But I think for, and I think it's getting more and more, but I think the, the generation that we're coming from, I think maybe... There was ready steady cook and a few places like that, but now with the likes of Gordon Ramsay and yeah. Jamie Oliver, and there's, there's definitely a bit more respect yeah. with that now. Yeah. I think more people are maybe getting into it or whatever. But I think back in them days. Yeah Was it a women- Maybe it was a woman's job as well But you know As a cook I'm talking I don't know And you know Waiters were, It was like waitresses Wasn't it
1: Yeah You know what
0: yeah. I mean It wasn't really like As it is now waiters You'd just call everyone a waiter now Wouldn't you
1: like, I just kind of got the impression It wasn't a career move. Yeah It's, always, it's, yeah, it it's,
0: it's a part time yeah. Before you get another job Or a yeah. man. Mom- with kids, and when the dad come home, she would go. You know, it was like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Really, that's what it was really like. Buffets yeah. and silver service, and all that kind of. Kind yeah. of thing I remember
1: it? having that conversation with my dad because eventually I realised that design wasn't for me. It actually yeah. took me a while to realise that. But
0: you're really good at it, which is really bizarre. Which you know, you you I yeah. put out. You designed the brand for City Ladder. That's, that's yeah. All, that's
1: all your work. But in in all honesty, yeah, that was probably the one job where I just thought to myself, I know I'm good at this, and I do enjoy certain aspects of it. Mm. But it, I find it so hard to sit down and do this. I yeah. really have to, like, push myself. I've never struggled to go out for lunch and have a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, uh, I challenged my um, my perception of my own um, passion. You know, am I interested in going out to exhibitions and learning about, um, you know, different designers and, and you know... Being kind of quite culturally tapped into that that side of things, or, or do I love um, food and wine, and, I, and that's where I've ended? It's quite it, it's funny that where like you're good at something, but your passion's with something else. Mm.
0: So so you can make good money doing the thing you're good at. Yeah, and you know it's it's really admirable, really to be honest with you, to leave yeah. something that you're good at that you can make good money. You're living in the city, London rubbing shoulders, you know, in that world, nine to five, drinking the wine on a night, you know, finishing work with your suit and tie, tie pulled to one side, you know, all that kind of, you know,
1: (laughs) big bollocks, you know, kind of thing,
0: that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? That city
1: life. But we did some exciting things in London. uh, And, you know, like um, when we left university, me and my housemate entered this competition and we actually designed the front of a building in Manchester, a building called The Hive, which is like a big creative center. You know, it's a 45-meter piece of artwork plastered on the front of a big that building. That you designed? Yeah.
0: Yeah, which is fantastic. yeah. And yeah, yeah,
1: like we we kind of did workshops with Peter uh, Peter Saville and-
0: no, that's not Jimmy Saville's brother, is it?
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we went to his studio and, um, yeah, did loads of great stuff. Yeah. Loads of great stuff, but- But even with all them great things, there was still something drawing you right to the it just if it's in your blood you're fucked it's game over you know i think i had changed while i was designing and i think i became a lot more insular and inward and it wasn't healthy it's not a healthy thing for me to do is to sit in in a studio and just work on a computer for maybe 16 hours a day drink 100 cups of tea i'm much better being on my feet yeah getting amongst it and yeah getting in there and chatting to people and, and, and you know providing a different kind of experience it's still, ex- it's still an experiential uh, job definitely um, it might be less creative and that was the one thing I, I found hard to let go of I, I wanted to kind of keep that creativity up but um, yeah, you, you've got to follow your heart, and, yeah. and that's where my heart kind of is, I think. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, what what qualifications did you then have to go? or what qualifications do you need to become a sommelier? Yeah. And what qualifications? So, what path did you do to go along that?
1: Yeah, it's, that kind of leads on actually from Donovan. So, while yeah. I was there, um, I um, was chatting to the sommelier, and he told me about Wessep.
0: Yeah.
1: Which um, I know you've discussed with Beck, oh, Beck on your other yeah. podcast. yeah, yeah. Um, I've
0: wait. done WSET. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah only good. level. One. I think I just did level one.
1: If I'm totally honest, I probably did. If it's got a test involved. Well, I had you down as a master sommelier. <laughs> <one. laughs> well, a couple of the girls from work have just done it because they're running it down in Mornington now. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's good. really yeah. good. Yeah, it's really good.
0: It's worth anyone that's slightly interested in wine. Yeah, especially that level one. It's really it's easy. Fuck so seriously, like I am. I won't even get my citizenship here because you've got to sit a test. That's how scared I am of tests. Honestly, I'm not a test person. Being dyslexic and all that, I just fear yeah. tests and words and things beyond belief.
1: That's easy, that test.
0: You but that it. first one is really easy. you just got to turn up and yes. listen. That's it. It's really, really simple. But it does give you ways of tasting wine. Just yeah.
1: that you A bit awareness. Of- yeah,
0: a bit of awareness. Yeah. And then when you do buy wine, it gives you an opportunity to like enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah, do you yeah. Know that? so, That's yeah. how I feel about it.
1: Yeah, we've got uh, a range of um hospitality people from uh, Point Leo doing it. So bartenders, um, section waiters, one of the girls in the office.
0: Yeah.
1: Who's a, who has an admin role but she you know, she knows she's working in a winery and she knows that she needs to Could know get get asked one. a question at any time. Exactly, yeah yeah, yeah. So, and um, yeah yeah, I I a feeling it's getting a as well. getting harder as well. of yeah. yeah. When I when I talk to people a little um, a lot broader a and the, yeah, the questions probably. seem a lot harder than when I did. I guess
0: it. So when the, if, the, if the top level is lifting its bar, as there's yeah. more and more masters, it all lifts up together. Do you know what I mean? Like the bottom bar also yeah. raises, you know? So yeah.
1: maybe I was lucky at the time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, you, so you got Wesser. Did you start off with one? Because you can skip one if you've got a bar. I of skipped knowledge. it. Yeah, yeah, you And went
1: it, yeah. to two. And even, actually, uh, the guy I was working with at Donovan said, just go straight to three. Oh,
0: really? Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. was like, well
1: actually I'm kind of this is all very new to me so I want to build the foundations of something that's kind of rock-solid yeah so I did two uh, and then that was it you know like I was I was sold yeah. Um three actually you know I have to say that Kevin Donovan paid for half of those courses for me yeah that's amazing that's, that's amazing that's incredible yeah you know to think that people do that and take it quite seriously um, you know they're committed to, and, and you know it's work. committed to
0: the staff aren't they it yeah. shows commitment to the staff and commitment to the restaurant yeah,
1: and the industry as well they yeah want, the industry. they want you to progress yeah yeah, yeah exactly but eventually I, I kind of i guess i outgrew the building because and this is one thing um at, at donovan's they had the som there would work um tuesday through to saturday so sunday there was never a som there yeah and it used to used to drive me nuts so I used to think and I, it's because I cared so much because the be, guests are coming and not getting the same experience yeah and it yeah. didn't make sense to me Sunday you'd see some nice bottles go out yeah you,
0: see the lunch people are spending you know. yeah
1: it's a great day yeah uh, for sure and um, you know I, I used to, I was kind of pushing and saying you know can I why don't you get me to a wine roll on Sunday the reason they just didn't want to justify having a second wine person there they had their one guy and he that's what he did, and step on someone's shoes or something, yeah, I'm not, yeah, they just just whatever. Just, you know, it just wasn't working. They've been running that business for decades, yeah, very yeah. successfully.
0: Yeah, but it's a beautiful um, restaurant. It's yeah. great,
1: right on the water. It's a beautiful restaurant. It's great, yeah, um, yeah. The, the kitchen team are amazing there, and Gail and Kevin are incredible people. Mm. We, I went to a talk that he did
0: actually at the Gros Symphony. I think it's called The Symphony Anyway, if anyone is looking to go It's, it's a hospitality It's run by Banjo and his team yeah. Have you ever been? No It's fantastic He does one He just did one in Sydney recently And he does them here in Melbourne It's all hospitality He has kind of different themes I hope I'm not fucking this up I've been to two of them Yeah um, I know he's done three One. The last one was Coffee Which I didn't go to But they're normally on a Sunday Keep your eye out for them They're a fantastic thing And different top people in the, in the industry Go and talk Neil Perry did it Um Mitch did it from another one from um, Acme in Sydney. He did the ones in Sydney over here. What was Neil's one on? I think I've actually. It was on. I, I like I say I haven't. I, I didn't go to one in Sydney. Yeah. Um I, but I think it's just the industry. I think he was just talking about the industry and success. I and did something and, on wastage. Is that right? Maybe it might have been on
1: food waste. I,
0: mean, I, I can't remember honestly. But he did do yeah. it, and there's been a few here. But one of the ones that I went to, it was the first one. The guy is it Kevin? Kevin so, Dunno, Yeah, yeah. Kevin Donner. He did it, and he put a spreadsheet up, and. Um, and it showed you the p. He, he just pulled his P and and yeah, and just showed everyone exactly like how I think it was like year on year, two years, year on year, yeah, maybe a couple of years back, not the recent one. And he just said, "Look, this is how much we take. This is how much the wages are." And he went through the whole thing, the business side of it, and like to be that honest,
1: yeah, yeah. and
0: just show your P and L to like a random bunch of people. Like yeah. it's not, it's not an easy thing to do, you know. Like that is being open.
1: And yeah, another thing about him is he's on the floor every, yeah. every most nights. So, you know, it's um, pretty impressive that he does that. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Anyway, go on, sorry.
1: So So, um, so you did the wet wet set. Yeah, and realised that maybe there wasn't space for me to grow. um, And, yeah, I was... Being in the bar, I was kind of just a little bit fed up of making lemonade, lime and bitters. And it was very repetitive for me, and I wanted something a little bit more um, engaging. And, yeah, so I... um, and I really enjoyed waiting sections still I was doing that a fair bit so I kind of started fishing around and uh, I, uh, I went for a few interviews and um, I was having a look on the internet and SOMS Australia and stuff like that and um, I eventually saw that uh, Rockpool Bar & Grill were advertising and um, you know, I had so much respect for Kevin. Then I said to him, um, "Oh, um, I'm going to look for another job," and uh, he said, "Well," and because I, I said I want to move into wine, and he mm. said, "You know, um, if you're thinking about going to work at a little pizza bar, then I'm not going to be happy about that." And he said, "But if you want to go and you know move in with the, the big players and go and work for Rockwell Bone Grill, then." I'm alright with that. And that's I, good. And I said to him, "They're advertising at Rockpool," and he said, "Go for it." Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, he's a gentleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a gentleman. That's nice. Yeah. That's
0: great. So, so right. Uh, so you did the Wessert uh, the 2, one, two, three, and four. Was that your, qualifi- that's your that was your qualification? i am only done three. so oh, yeah. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm my, my, my name down. My name is down for four next year.
0: Oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah.
1: So I'm secretly hoping they run it down on the Peninsula, so I don't have to come Drive up to all Melbourne, the way down. But yeah. I will do that. Yeah. I've got to, yeah, maybe think about funding because it's not, it's, it's a little bit more expensive than, um, you know, the other courses. Yeah, it's yeah, a two-year yeah. obligation. Yeah. But now I'm ready for it. Like, yeah, I feel yeah. like I'm at a point now where I'm like, new challenge, I can do yeah, this. Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: It's endless, that, isn't it? It's totally endless. How much, um, how much wine do you think you've drank over, uh, tasted and drank over the years, seriously? Like... And, uh, how many bottles are you tasting in a night? A, few, a day a few bottles a day not drinking just tasting
1: I taste, you know, I, taste um, I taste every bottle I serve and that yeah. was something that uh, was kind of drilled into me at Rodpull you're not doing it really to you know to um, get a buzz yeah I mean yeah exactly you're not doing it because you want to learn you're doing it because you're you, you, you're kind of, um, you're the goalkeeper for faulty wines so you you don't want one to slip through the net and...
0: Is it embarrassing if that does happen?
1: Uh, it can be quite difficult. Yeah. Um. You know, it's happened to me once or twice. Yeah. Wine can be a bit tricky and it can look one thing one minute and then look... Change, yeah, when the air and that gets to it, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I've you know, I've done stuff before where I popped a cork and I was like, I've got a big whiff of cork tape there and then looked at it again because I always kind of look at it and then put the glass down, walk away for 30 seconds, come back and look at it again. Yeah. And it looks beautiful. And I've showed it to a few people. I was like, everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. And then poured it and walked away and looked at it again. It's screwed. So yeah, you have to be- Far out. Yeah. I think when it comes to cork taint, you've got to trust your gut. If you have that- A little bit. Tiny little bit of doubt. Yeah, yeah. Chances are, that's because it's corked. Yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah. so obvious. No, no. It's, but sometimes you don't want wines to be corked. You're like, I c I don't want this wine to be corked. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the best wines in the world. I would hate for this wine to be corked. <laughs> um, but you know. It happens. Yeah, it does happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a similar food as well. If it's over seasoned, yeah. And you you try and talk yourself out of it. It's all yeah. the yeah. you
1: know what I mean, exactly, like if you yeah. think it, it is. Yeah, true that. Yeah. That's true. Um, when I first started at Byron grill and I was tasting um, a lot, you know, for the first time, that was, you know, I, the, I'd kind of get halfway through the shift and think to myself, "Oh, blimey, I feel a bit lightheaded. headed Would you? Well, because you, you're not spitting. Yeah, yeah. What you? Yeah. You even, yeah. yeah. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, madam, your yeah. bag. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's only what is it, ten or oh, twelve? millilitres of wine per bottle, but you'll have some nights where you're really just, you know, Busy. cracking wine left, right and centre. So it took me a while to get over that, but yeah, I yeah. think I'm just used to it now.
0: Some places, I don't know if it is at Rockpool, but I've seen on, on menus before, 750ml bottles, aren't there? Yeah. yeah. Some places will sell 740ml bottles. Have you seen that before? 10ml for the smelly. Eh? Oh, really? Yeah, have you seen? I swear I've seen that 100%. Right, okay. So on the wine list, it'll be like, bottle of whatever 740 mils yeah so, so you because if you're getting charged with 750 mils but the sommeliers take tasting 10 mils of it yeah well then it, you're not getting your full amount
1: yeah yeah it's yeah it's a it's an interesting way of thinking about it it's a very um mathematical way of thinking about it it's not not as romantic i suppose you know you you, you pour that little taste for the guests still yeah but not for him to assess the wine and make sure it's not corked so that's your job you're a song you're, you're yeah, employed yeah. on the floor uh, you know I hate that I hate that thing yeah I just say pour
0: it, just pour it. like have you checked it,
1: yeah, just pour it. exactly and yeah
0: it just puts too much I think this is one of the things about wine I love wine and I love the whole and I and I love restaurants and I love that whole the the, the getting dressed up I like it all mm. but that side of things can be quite intimidating for someone that isn't you know if you're on a table of six with something this happened to me this is a true story me, Beck and a friend of mine Abby and his wife went out for dinner uh, went out for lunch when I was young I was only like early 20s can't remember what I was and I didn't know the first you know early 20s drinking wine I didn't know what the fuck I was doing really honestly I didn't and we ordered this bottle of wine and the you know Abby said oh you choose. I'm like, fuck I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. So I just chose a wine that I recognised. It was a bottle, I think it was Sancerre or something along the You know, it was back in there or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, I, the was Muslim had tasted it or there wasn't. He put, poured it. He did that whole thing. I never clue. I said it was fine and the bottle was corked. Yeah. And I didn't know. Yeah. Then there was this like really embarrassing bit where the, Abby was like, "This is cocked," mm. and then they're like, "Well, you said it was all right, you know." And then I felt like a total twat. Do you know yeah. what I mean?
1: So I like to like. That's why we taste the wine. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Say, yeah. And I've had people look at me as if to say, "He's drinking my wine," and you know that that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm not drinking it because <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Believe yeah. it or not, I'm, I'm assessing it. Yeah. Uh, because you know I want to make sure that bottle is exactly as the winemaker intended it to be, um, and bounce anything that's not good enough. Essentially, yeah, you're the, you're yeah. the gatekeeper. Aren't exactly, you? yeah. 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 W-
0: would you ever think about you know when you are pouring wine and you read a table, young guy, you know whatever, whatever it might be, and he's ordered the wine, you can see he's got a bit of pressure on him or whatever. Would you ever say? Do you want to taste it, or do you want me just to pour it? Because people have said that to me. I do
1: all the time. Do you um, want me just to pour it? Yeah, I, that's I, awesome. Yeah. That's. I, I think that's great, honestly. I think wine. I think in general, yeah, wine. So wine service is becoming a little bit more casual.
0: Yeah, I think f- it needs for see. the right reasons. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it's 100%. not so
1: stuffy, and you know, at Rockpool it was all like stand up straight, and you know, in your waistcoat, and you know, you have to be very courteous to the guests. And now, um, I find, and I think from working probably at the Stoke House. That you can build a little bit more of a rapport if you're maybe a little bit more casual. You still, yeah. you still, um you're still systematic and you're still very professional. Mm. But you talk about wine from the heart a little bit more. And if you know, it's a group of lads having lunch, you just say, "I've just, you know, I've had, I've assessed the wine. It's looking great. Are you happy if I just top everyone up?" Definitely, that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. read your table, I suppose.
0: Yeah, read the table exactly because yeah. that pressure sometimes is, it, it's not, it's not enjoyable whatsoever.
1: It's um, a little bit, yeah. Plus. You know, you don't want to have to have a taste. If you're just drinking the same wine over and over again, it's just a little bit of an unnecessary ritual.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I agree. What's your favourite varietal? <laughs>
1: We're talking about wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think um, probably like most sommeliers, I, I, I do have um, a real soft spot for Chardonnay and Pinot Noir
0: yeah chardonnay is it's just fucking, yeah
1: uh, and actually it's quite a neutral grape but um i think i just love the texture and the richness that yeah. it can provide yeah, yeah um, for sure and um you know the ability to really reflect where it's grown i think that's quite unique yeah, so chardonnay is good at doing that is it yeah yeah i think because of the neutrality chardonnay from um, takes
0: on the flavor of the area yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah
1: so that's great um and Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it can, you know, exactly the same thing. And, you know, it's almost the opposite of Chardonnay in a sense. It's not yeah. kind of big and I'm just slowly and, getting into that a little bit more. Yeah. I was always more like
0: Tempranillo, yep. Chardonnay, um, sorry, Shiraz, a bit yeah. more heavier, I think I'm talking. And there's a mix, isn't there? What is it? Is it the, when there's three together? Tempranillo, <laughs> what is it? Uh, Grenache. And, and GSM, yeah. And G, yeah. Yeah. I used to like all that, but now slowly yeah. I'm getting a bit more...
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's, again, like a bit of a drinking trend. People are moving away from, not GSMs, but like... I love that GSMs. They're beautiful. They Which are. Which
0: is what... What's GSMs? Explain.
1: Grenache, uh, Mouvet, and um Shiraz. Shiraz. yeah. Yeah. Which is a
0: blend of all three,
1: isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: it's beautiful. I love
1: that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Grenache. I love Grenache. Yeah. Um, what else? I love champagne. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I'm pretty... I'm pretty Pretty traditional and conservative, I think, in my tastes. I love Champagne, I love Riesling. And um, yeah, Riesling. I think some of the best wines I've ever drunk or ever looked at have been um, made from Cabernet Sauvignon as well. It's not a particularly trendy thing to say. Cavesave. Sav. Yeah. Amongst kind of the new wave of um, sommeliers, you know, um, I don't think people pay that grape enough respect. And I think it's really hard to get right when people do get technically, it technically right. yeah. to make it it's, quite a, it it's quite a hard grape to grow and to and to vinify and to make a balanced wine yeah uh, it's quite easy to get a $20 or $25 Pinot Noir that's looking good but you can't really say the same thing about Cabernet I don't think
0: yeah you've got to spend good money is <clears> it
1: <throat> yeah yeah okay but when it's good it's incredible I yeah think. yeah
0: what what would you what is wine? What is it? <laughs> obviously, it's grape juice. Yeah, it's an and interesting. What, and what's the, like the, obviously it has to go through a process. And what is that process? Uh,
1: essentially, um, you know, there's a whole process that goes on um, in the vineyard every year. So every year there's a harvest. Um, it starts with a, a grapevine kind of flowering and kind of it finishes eventually around about 100 days later with the grapes ripening and um, their sugars uh and their acid all kind of getting to a point where you can pick it and make some pretty decent wine out of it
0: by fermenting it right Isn't yeah it?
1: You, yeah yeah essentially so um you pick it um essentially you extract uh
0: the grape juice by you know old-fashioned times like when you used to stand on it with your no shoes on yeah t- but that still happens in some places right I've, i did that uh last year yeah um
1: yeah, you what know, an athletes' foot. You know, it's all good. It's a very good way. Uh, <laughs> what's <laughs> What's it called when you rub that kind of sandy stuff into your skin? Oh, exfoliation. Oh, it, it, it actually, you know, it does. Yeah, a lot of acidity in there, will not it? pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very gentle way of extracting juice because you've yeah. got the stems. Usually, you've got the stems in contact as well. See, so um, very yeah. traditional. Yeah. Um, so, you you extract juice whether that's from a, a very traditional basket press or from maybe something a little bit more industrial or from foot stomping. And then, you know, that, that grape juice, that sugary stuff is fermented into alcohol, usually to dry. And then, um, you know, it's usually kind of aged in a bit of oak and then bottled.
0: And But there's a few, there's things like uh, lees and pour over and yeah. all these kind of things, isn't there? Yeah,
1: of oh course, you're really getting into the winemaking side of things now, now which is great. I mean, actually, it's funny, um, being a som in the city, you don't think about that sort of stuff so much. But moving down to um, and working in a, a wine producing area like Mornington, yeah, you're, you're on a winery. You work on a you work yeah, on a winery. I, I work on a vineyard. On oh, a vineyard, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, I, you know, I would actually confidently say that most of the people I serve. Um, they're the most educated drinkers I've ever served in my life oh, so in Mornington they, they know what they're talking about they're not asking about what's this producer like they're kind of asking what clone of Pinot Noir goes into that uh, particular keep you on your toes cuvee. and yeah what you know is that their north facing vineyard or their south facing vineyard it's really good yeah yeah Yeah, it's challenging
0: yeah for sure um so what
1: what is what is the lees and what is pour over just let's just lees are i guess the um they're dead yeast cells so that you know in in the fermentation process it's really um it's the yeast that um initiate that transformation from uh sugar to alcohol yeah naturally occurring yeast which is referred to as ambient yeast or you can add yeast which is known as cultured yeast yeah those dead yeast cells uh, I guess they're kind of solids Uh, they can kind of um, eventually find their way to the bottom of the tank and um, you can kind of bleed the wine off and and um, you know remove it from the leads or you can actually um, disturb the solids and uh, kind of you can take flavour from that, yeah. Flavour and texture and, and yeah. power as well. Yeah. So, you know, champagne a classic example of um, lees contact, where uh, you know there's that kind of secondary fermentation in the bottle.
0: do they add a bit of sugar? Is that? Do they, they do add yeah. a bit of sugar. Yeah,
1: of sugar, and, and sugar, that yeah. Uh, initiates a little bit like a second fermentation. But the the um, the lees are kind of regularly disturbed by um, kind of twisting the bottle. Moving,
0: yeah. It's in like a machine, is it? They like, do that now, yeah. yeah
1: but if you sure. go to like, I mean, you can still go to wineries, um, go down to Queeley in uh, Balnarring, and yeah. they still do that riddling by hand. Oh, nice. Watch people do it on a YouTube clip. It's, they're pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's labour Riddling? Riddling, yeah. yeah okay. So it's just twisting the bottle, um, I guess, maybe 45 degrees. Yeah. And that will disturb uh, those dead cells, and then eventually they'll kind of make their way down to the neck of the bottle, yeah. and then they freeze that, disgorge it, and um, pop a cork in, and there Jogs you are. You've got your you've got your, Physic- your your wine, yeah.
0: Which is like the it's just a gas, isn't it? It just creates a natural like in bread or whatever else, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, so the, the wine
1: just absorbs. Um, yeah. Yeah, absorbs gas, but that's, uh, Lee's, um can build uh, um, texture and can add flavour. Um, and it can add a bit of power to wine as well okay. yeah and then um,
0: what about botrytis you hear about botrytis yeah What is
1: um, botrytis? it's a type of rot um, it's um, known as noble rot botrytis cinerea is the technical name it sounds gross doesn't it I explain noble rot or botrytis to customers and it's kind of a funny thing to talk it's about. It's beautiful. Oh,
0: yeah. it, I, I love it. I love it in uh, the wines that are.
1: It only occurs in very special conditions. So you need, moist you need moisture, moisture in air, yeah. but you also need warmth and sunshine in the afternoons to create the bacteria, isn't it? <clears throat> well, I think it's if you don't have that, you've you've basically just got moisture, continuous moisture, which will eventually lead to bad rot, yeah, known as kind of grey rot, yeah. But botrytis, um, it, like I said, is is kind of a balance of certain weather conditions. You know regions like Saturn. Um, yeah. You know. It's, it's it's dessert wine, isn't it? It's, yeah. Is yeah. it? Predomin- it's always dessert
0: dessert wine. No, is
1: you, you can you can have botrytis in um, table wine. It's oh, never okay. it's never desirable. Right. Okay. But effectively, you know, the, the rot eventually will puncture the skin, evaporate water, and leave behind basically um, sugar and kind of fruit acid. Yeah. And then um, you know that it's kind of yeah lovely kind of golden nectar. It's very labour intensive as well, you know, like I've read a little bit about um, Chateau Echem and how they have pickers every year who can smell the difference between grey rot and botrytis. Because to look at, you can't tell the difference that much, it's just a kind of mildew yeah. growing on the outside of the grape. But they know by smell which one's the good rot and which one's the bad rot. But also, it occurs at various parts of the vineyard at different times, yeah, yeah. where you're going through the vineyard in trees or, or passes and picking not only individual grape, uh, individual bunches, but actual individual grapes as well. Um, and I've heard as well, there's there's wasps as well. Like you've got the uh, because they're into that sugary <laughs> stuff as well. They yeah. want it, they want a bit of that. Yeah. As well. So God, yeah, I mean that's labour intensive. That's why those mine, that's why those wines are very expensive and they're beautiful they're it, gorgeous yeah create yeah. really. creates um, wonderful texture
0: yeah it's quite thick isn't it, it, it yeah like thick we'll and luscious say, so, yeah, it yeah. also
1: imparts very interesting flavours um, quite
0: bright like not flavour bright the, 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 quite gold the drinks are quite uh, like a rich colour right
1: Yeah, um, and uh, they tend to work on thin skin varieties like semion and riesling um, but yeah they impart a really cool um, marmalade yeah kind of, Almost like a bitter marmalade flavour in wine
0: I think I had a, a,
1: a, a Fuck it I think I did I'm not 100% sure
0: But I'm, I'm pretty sure I did it, it, I, I think it's a classic combination I had a foie gras dish At the mm. Square With mm. a friend of mine called Tom Anglesey Who's a chef at uh, the Laughing Heart in London And um, it, me and him went for lunch At the Square in London When it was back in the day I don't think it's there anymore now And um, we had the tasting menu And the matching wines And there was a, a uh, Petratus wine, what's it? What's the most famous one? Uh, Sauternes. Sauternes served with the foie gras. There. Yeah, it was just honestly, it was fucking
1: unbelievable. Yeah, and for all the sugar in those wines, they are intensely savory. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I remember serving an, a really old um Chateau Iquem at Rockpool um, for a uh, a lunch one day, and they started off with a bottle of um, like 37 Iquem. And um, they're incredible wines. They're so Um, long-lived. But I think in France, traditionally, that's how you enjoy um, Souternes, as an aperitif. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, especially aged Souternes, they take on um, quite almost fungal characters, you know, white mushroom. Yeah, um, yeah. And, um, you know, um, they're kind of enjoyed with foie gras or with maybe something... As an entree. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Yeah. What um and just Heston did a dish called I don't know if you did you know that he did a dessert. Well maybe not him, but one of the team did a dessert called Yeah, known, right. Which is have you seen it? No, run me through it. You should oh I had it when I was at, when I, when he when he was here. It's like uh, it's incredibly sweet. Yeah. Um I couldn't really honestly tell you what the ins and outs of it, yeah. but it's set up like a bunch of grapes and there's like loads of balls and loads of textures. It's quite, it's beautiful and it tastes quite sweet and wine, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't want to fuck it up, but it's, have a look at it. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. And I have had it, but yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, the problem is you go to these places, you have matching wines. By, by the time, time you dessert, I'm <laughs> fucking sozzled. You know what I mean? I, re- I know it's there. What can you? Say? I can't really tell you much about it, but yeah. Um,
1: we, we do try on the wine match at Laura, and yeah, we match it with blue cheese. Yeah, blue cheese, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's intensely salty and yeah. yeah, like a really lovely, luscious, honeyed wine. Just because they're the exact opposites, they just bounce together, each other. yeah. In um, around the world, and different regions and countries all
0: have their specifics, you know, like um. Mornington is known for Pinot, Yarra yeah. Valley is known for Chardonnay, mm-hmm. you know, Rioja Tempranillo, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, Grenache, and yeah. here we go, are you ready for this? Yes! alsace Gewurztraminer. Yeah! Is that right? Yeah, it's perfect, yeah Yeah, yeah okay, so yeah, there's um, they're some of the wines, what other, what other regions do, uh, are known for that area, like, you know, around the world? especially france are known for like what are their what are their specialities
1: oh gosh yeah so you you kind of raise a a broader point about how what's the difference between old world and new world i suppose yeah so we we label wines varietally, and it's a lot easier if you're in a supermarket to know what you're looking for whereas um, you go to france and um, their wines are labeled by where they're grown so you're meant to know this, aren't you? Like, like um, yeah.
0: Burgundy, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: and I, yeah, exactly. And you know, I've heard you talk about red and white Burgundy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. how that's a bit confusing. It tripped
0: me out for years, honestly. Yeah, yeah.
1: and it, and you know, that is confusing for if you don't know a lot about wine. It's really intimidating. Yeah. People tell me that they don't like Chardonnay, but they love Chablis, and you don't want to tell them that Chablis. You don't want to ch- piss on their chips and say, oh, actually, Chablis is Chardonnay. Yeah. you know and that's my job to be very polite and understanding of that and I know that it's intimidating yeah for sure, because I mean, we've all started from not knowing much at all about food and wine yeah but um, yeah so um, you know for example if you go to um, Burgundy uh, you're not really gonna drink anything apart from Chardonnay and Pinot Noir yeah that's 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 Burgundy do you
0: think in the restaurants and that that's all I'll we'll have as well right do you know what I mean do you think yeah I just have a lot of the wine from their region
1: completely yeah, yeah. the French are very loyal like that yeah um, I quite like that yeah I do too you yeah. know um, there's not many places in the world that are like that I think if you go to France and probably dine um, in a little cafe or something you're probably drinking a local wine and enjoying a local cheese yeah yeah and that's that's cool definitely 100% yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah getting back to your question you know yeah you know that the using france as an example again um very rarely would you find um wines labelled as sauvignon blanc but you will find sancerre and prifume and and they're the appellations that make um terrific expressions of sauvignon blanc is that the loire? yeah Loire. (laughs) come on come on (laughs) yeah
0: something bank is it something bank? oh
1: you've let me down now Fuck. Yeah, but I think you're, what? I think, <laughs> you're probably referring to Bordeaux. Um, left, ah, nah, nah. yeah, well. but they also make Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, they're there. So that, so, yeah. well, so you were right. I take half a point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably
0: um, the only because to be fair, sunset and we call it Pouilly Fumé. Yeah, fumi. yeah. They were pretty big back in the day when
1: I was yeah. when I was younger. Gotcha. Like, do you remember? Uh, I remember, yeah, I remember. That, Chablis, that's Pouf a very elite wine for people in England to yeah. to drink. That's um, how I know it's from. And not. even now, like my stepmom, she is very loyal to Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, but she says I only drink Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc or Sancerre, <laughs> and they're so different. I'm only going to say, she, I only smoke Marlborough and drink Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> 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 but you know, that's an interesting conversation because someone in a restaurant would say, "I like Sauvignon Blanc." Um, you know, like a drier style. And you can say, well, you know, if you're thinking of doing an Old World Sauvignon Blanc, um, you've got a few options. You could maybe do something that's very crisp and aromatic from the Loire Valley, or maybe something with a little bit more texture, and oak from Bordeaux. And that's when you start, yeah, okay. you know, introducing people to.
0: So what is Old the New World? What is, like, what is that? Uh,
1: so I guess Old World wine uh, is, it's largely, I guess, European wine. France, Italy, yes. Germany. yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. And the new world, what would be? Australia? The new world would be like... The America? Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. South Africa? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, after a kind of... Yeah, exactly. Basically, the countries that you don't expect them to do wine, that do do wine
0: are new. And the places you'd expect to do wine, do do wine, they're old. Is that about it? Say that again. So places where you'd expect to make wine, France, yeah, they're definitely going to make wine. Germany, yeah, they're definitely going to make wine. Italy, yeah, they're... do South Africa do they make wine?
1: Yeah, oh, they must be new. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's probably the... yeah, yeah, it's one way of thinking about it. I mean, yeah, like newer, newer, newer countries, and, and that's what and, I mean. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and yeah, like countries with less of a wine making history. Like yeah. if you talk about Bordeaux. You're talking 1700s. Yeah, fair. Um, and, you know, you're talking about... Um, Monks when, and that. When wine was kind of, yeah, sold and uh, exported in barrels instead of bottles. Very traditional. Yeah. Steeped in history. Um, and, yeah, you know, wine regions that are well and truly on on the map um, and have been for years. Newer countries or, you know, newer um, winemaking making areas South Africa after apartheid you know that's that's New World yeah. Um, yeah and like you said the US Australia New Zealand you know more recently discovered countries
0: which is now coming on
1: really well eh not yeah I'm totally
0: talking out of school but what I hate you know they're making some fantastic wines as well aren't they all they are yeah and it,
1: and they're they, they're they're a little bit freer to do that yeah they're not you know yeah exactly they're, they're not in they're tradition not, yeah. not drinking tradition exactly they're not they're not um, you know they're not restrained by Appalachian laws um, and tradition. Appalachian laws being that you've got to
0: stick to this to be a call in that, for yeah,
1: that area. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you can start making... Um, you can grow anything anywhere in Australia. Yeah. Um, if it yeah. will grow, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So,
0: and I, yeah. I see a lot of people are going... It's, it's logical. Winemakers go over to France, work in wine wineries, vineyards, mm. learn a lot of them techniques, bring them back and just um, implement it here in Australia yeah. and put a, their modern twist on it effectively. Yeah. Or, you know, a new way of looking at things.
1: Yeah, I guess so. A lot of the, uh, you know, winemakers that I um, have enjoyed um, following have had that year kind of European experience and exposure. Um, And there's an understanding as well, you know, vintage conditions maybe in Europe are a little bit trickier than they are over here. Weather-wise? Weather-wise, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, when vintages uh, in Victoria like 2011 come around, which was kind of really wet and miserable, those winemakers that maybe have a little bit more experience with tougher colder wetter vintages in europe knew what to do mm. and how to make wine the best out of it yeah, yeah 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 whereas you know that vintage was a real shock for some people and yeah. there were some real awful wines made
0: so uh, explain that so like like you say weather does have a big part of it i don't want to get into like yeah. all these kind of things do change you know obviously if you're pruning you're taking the leaves away it's get it's exposed to more sown or less sun, however whatever whatever yeah. it is and then too much water will you explain you you explain
1: you know I guess there's many things that can throw off a vintage uh, and it can start from quite early on um, when there's a bit of flowering maybe um, there's a bit of wind or a bit of hail and that can affect um, the vintage massively I think with 11 it just never really got never really got hot enough and it was quite wet to get the sugars going you mean yeah yeah. to to ripen the grapes yeah Um, so um, yeah um, the wines that were made are quite savoury. Uh, they're not. There's not a lot of sunshine in the glass. Yeah. And they're definitely lower in alcohol because you didn't have as much sugar to um, ferment into alcohol. Very European in style. Um, yeah. And You know, some of them are beautiful.
0: Well, I was going to say that represents that year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah good or bad that's what happened that year that's what we had they were the cards that we got dealt that year and this is what we produced so you know it's not the same as it was last year and and that's the joy of something living do you know what I mean
1: and I remember I was just kind of getting into it around the time where reps were coming into restaurants and showing sommeliers and restaurateurs the 2011s and they were almost like yeah, a tail between their legs.
0: Oh, but it almost embarrassed. Like, yeah, because oh, I'm by this. Yeah it. yeah, it was. Yeah. It was bad.
1: Some of it was bad. Um,
0: well, imagine how much money
1: the winery's lost that like,
0: year and whatnot. Global warming must be coming into a factor and all this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, there's there many. Be-
1: yeah, there's lots of things, I suppose. Um, but you know, for every bad vintage, you know, hopefully there's a, 10 a good one around the corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Twenty eighteen yeah. was great. You know, yeah. like terrific yield uh, as well terrific yield. yields yeah yields you know, a, big so, one. a winemaker's dream so great yeah. quality and, and quantity as well yeah um, that's I guess that's the um, it's one of the beauties of being in wine um, is that each vintage is different so you, there's always something new to learn around the corner and um, and you know, it's it's nature, it's farming. So yeah, exactly, it's farming. Um, you know, you, you kind of have to do the best with what you've got. And each, um, you you would hope that each um, each new wine is a reflection of growing conditions. Yeah, and, and that's fascinating. Yeah,
0: exactly. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. What um, what a fortified? Yeah, go on, definitely
1: fortified wines. Got uh, you know, um, it's I will start by saying it's probably something that not enough people drink. Oh really? Oh, yeah, I, I think so. Um What is it for a port a port is, is It's that... a yeah, it's it's a wine uh, that has essentially been fortified with a uh a, like a neutral grape spirit. And um so it's kind of higher in alcohol. Um so examples of that include sherry, uh, Madeira, port. Um, you know, in Australia we make Rutherglen, which is amazing I love that it's yeah, yeah you know it doesn't get the recognition it deserves yeah it's as good as anything Is that Victoria
0: North Victoria yeah, yeah. It's, uh,
1: northeast Victoria. it's Northeast yeah. Victoria so it's really really hot and really dry up there so they yeah. don't get botrytis. there's no moisture in the air yeah okay but they can because they don't get botrytis. they can leave the grapes and the vine forever to effectively shrivel to raisins and then yeah. make make some terrific wine out of that yeah. and and age them um, in a similar way to, that they do in sherry outside so oh, they're exposed really? to sunshine and heat as in well. the here we go again in the Solero system oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know it chief <laughs> is that
0: did they use that as well so A Solera
1: yeah yeah so, sorry my yeah. I was nearly there I wasn't far off yeah but. so uh, yeah a system of barrels effectively stacked on top of each other uh, and you put your most recent harvest into the top barrel and bleed that so it could be like 10 on top of each other is it yeah. So yeah I think they're called they're called crydera I think I have to go back on that, but each level is a Cridera.
0: right okay. and then from
1: the bottom, you're kind of uh, extracting wine that maybe has an average age of twenty years. Yeah. So it produces something that's quite consistent. It's not actually, you know, it's not really reflective of a vintage, but more kind of age and time yeah. spent in oak. So it's
0: like a it's like a pyramid, isn't it? Effect- effectively, yep. you put it in the top, it drips down, it takes. Uh, X amount 10 years to get, all the, uh, to get all the way down the system mm. by the time you bleed and that's the ageing process as it runs through all the barrels do they yeah. change them barrels? They will do, won't they? Um, I would have thought hey, Who knows? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah I have no idea mm. um, so you yeah, you also hear about uh to what what's, what what's that word what is that word?
1: Uh god it's um it's a word that not many people like using cuz it kind of means everything and nothing at the same time. It's a French word. There's no um, I love it. You love the word? I love the word. Yeah, I, I do. I find it useful. Mm. Um I like it, the meaning of it as well like Yeah, it it refers to um the yeah there's literally no English uh translation, or is translation. It, yeah. Yeah. so we use the French word terroir and it's a word that can be used to describe I guess unique growing conditions so uh, of that area of is that it of that area that yeah.
0: specific area
1: Yeah. all them um, things like the sun the soil the nutrients the, the nutrients yeah. the whole thing um, it all boils down exactly you know and, and that's what I mean it's hard to um, get specific about terroir because it's a combination of quite a few things yeah. I guess yeah. um but I, I get when you see a reflection of tewa in a wine, that's exciting. Um, you know, Champagne is a quite a, a good example of that, would you say? Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess um, you know the more there's been more of a m- modern movement of um, Champagne growers instead of Champagne houses, and part of that movement is instead of reflecting a house style, reflecting tewa. Yeah. So um, it's almost like a
0: geographical. Point isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's a it's, a, ge- a geographic coordinate.
1: Yeah.
0: Of flavour,
1: effectively. Yeah. It's um yeah, and if and if you do it correctly, I guess you you know you're, you're in order to represent terroir, um you're not masking the wine with oak or too much ripeness. Usually these wines um, are really venous and they really express what's in the soil, um, and you know in that exact you know piece of patch of dirt you know yeah yeah how does it slope which way does it face how are the vines kind of tended to you know probably a little bit of winemaking overlaps yeah okay yeah but yeah an expression of place would be the expression of place yeah that's good about it yeah
0: expression of place yeah Yeah. that's awesome the um we said the weather plays a part in it in in the um the winemaking, but also there's an aging process, and there's also like you say, old oak, new oak, yeah. and all this. This is all changes the flavour as well, doesn't it? So it's not just the the making and the weather and the rest of it. The actual yeah. the way you store it, how long you store it, what you store it in, is it stainless steel? Is it oak? Is it new oak? Is yeah. it Whatever else, that, you know, that's probably about where the limit is my knowledge goes, to be totally honest. But so, I've seen them burnt barrels. Is that, is that one as well?
1: Or is that yeah, whiskey? Well, that
0: might be fucking whiskey. No, barrels are toasted. Toasted. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah. When you yeah. see them
1: being made, um, I think probably made to order. I would imagine that you can request like a medium toast or a, uh, you know, like a heavy toast. Yeah. Um, and I guess you know, toasting the barrel, you know, a, a slightly. A barrel that's been toasted to a greater degree would probably impart a little bit more toasty flavour onto the wine, yeah. um, especially if it's a, you know, it's a new barrel. It's a new barrel, obviously, so new oak imparts more flavour than old oak.
0: Yeah, because it's already been extracted, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so um, you know, a lot of um, producers uh, will probably, again, maybe age their top wines in new oak because the fruit can kind of absorb the oak a little bit better. The, you know, the fruit maybe is of a higher quality, uh, that's not always the case. I know Mac Forbes ages his entry-level wine in New Oak because he really? doesn't like the flavour of New Oak. So in his top wines, he uses Old Oak.
0: Oh, really? In
1: order so a that, little bit more subtle. Yeah. So in order to, but in order to get that second and third-year oak, he has to buy New Oak, obviously. So he just pops that into his entry-level wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, producer. It depends on the producer, producer. I love that. Just a quick... We'll get back onto this, but yeah. while
0: you're talking about producers, I love that about... Um, I think that's one of the keys about a and what I really like... And it's the same in my view of like second degree cuts pot belly lamb shoulder whatever all these secondary cuts with wine i like good winemakers third batch or you know not their elite one but their yeah. you know not their entry level let's see yeah, entry level yeah. i like it when a good producer has an entry level that's the wine i like to drink yeah honestly i know it might sound daft or whatever it's a good price value for money it's had good eyes on it yeah and, it, you know, it doesn't need to be that elite stuff. For me personally, I, I like that kind of, you know, between $30 to $100 kind of mark. Yeah. That's where, I,
1: that's where I sit. I agree. I mean, if I had millions of dollars, I'm not saying I wouldn't buy you know, lots of expensive bottles, but yeah. um, there's a lot of satisfaction to be had in recommending a $60 bottle of wine to someone and them turning around and going, that was, that's great.
0: Yeah. $60 bottle of wine That you're happy with
1: <laughs> Yeah I don't want to be drinking wine Thinking about the cost
0: Personally Do you know what I mean If I spend $300 On a bottle of wine I'm fucking I'm thinking This better be freaking good Do you know what yeah. I mean That's what I'm yeah. thinking But I like that thing of where, where a sommelier says Oh this guy You know is out in Germany He used to train for this guy He's got an elite wine That is $200 But yeah. he's got an entry level At 65 Or $80 yeah. i am like fuck yeah give me that I'm, I'm definitely keen for that do you know what yeah, I mean like yeah, you've got I mean, the restaurant and you've got a top quality chef cooking foie gras like it's foie gras you're going to have a great time but the same top quality chef is braising pork belly and I'm more interested in that than I am the foie gras do you, know yeah. what, do you
1: see what I'm saying yeah absolutely yeah and you know I, I, there's not many wine making uh, domains or houses or producers that just produce an elite wine they always have a second wine yeah and to get good. rid of that fruit in it, to get rid of the fruit that doesn't quite make, is it? Just to make money, you know. Like, yeah, I yeah, mean, exactly. yeah, yeah, exactly. You yeah. have to release, um, you know, you have to release wine in its youth. Um, yeah, exactly. There might have, there might be some wine that doesn't quite make the cut and you can you can make a, a kind of slurping wine out of that the cash flow as well exactly. yeah You need you know if you've got stuff wine sitting on in barrels for
0: three years or however yeah. long you need something to keep that cash flow going I guess yeah, uh,
1: yeah a good example of that is uh, Montalcino and how you know Brunello takes years to leave the winery so what do they do they make Rosso de Montalcino which is made from the same grapes but spends less time in oak and it's released earlier, and it's yeah. kind of more quaffing wine. It's still a good representation of Sangiovese and, and the region, but it's not kept in barrel and in for quite so long. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's great. But I agree, yeah. There's there's um, finding those um, cheaper bottles that are just... The good thing about them as well is you crack them and they're just, they're great. You're in them and they're delicious. Yeah, yeah. You've never, you don't, you don't have to think about, oh, maybe that's not quite ready yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. to drink. Yeah. yeah. It's ready to go. Ready to go, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, what makes a good wine list?
1: I can only really give you what I think makes a good wine yeah, list. Yeah, of course. And I would say it's almost similar to what makes a good wine. It's balance. So for me, I, I do... Mm. Favor lists that have, um, that are fair and 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 they kind of represent the kind of immediate community or the world of wine, um, you know, in moderation. Um, I, I, I don't love lists that are like ridiculously heavy on one thing that's like the coolest thing to drink at the moment. We really love wines from Jura and we think they're fascinating, so we've got a whole page of them and uh, and we've got you know and and the rest is just the rest you know yeah yeah i like balance yeah yeah you know, I, li- I like to look at listen, and kind of think oh you know clearly here they've yes. thought that maybe burgundy is something that works well with the menu and they've they've kind of paid a little bit more attention and detail to that quite rightly because you know um the wines can be so varied but um I think I like, yeah, I think um, mostly I, I look for balance. Balance in
0: flavour, price, and yeah, yeah exactly. and
1: world. Yeah, so in terms of um, the representation of the world of wine or the community of wine that yeah. they're speaking about, price also, um, you know, nothing too elitist. There has to be something there for everyone. Definitely, yeah. Um, as well as having the cheap bottles. Yeah. You, you have to have the expensive bottles.
0: Yeah. Because some people want to come in and drop big money and enjoy themselves like that, and flash and and, and, yeah. and entertain. Yeah. And some people want to just come in with, for a Sunday lunch and, and grab a thirty
1: dollars bottle of wine. Like there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. There's like, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Definitely no. not. Hundred percent. Um, and I think probably, um, it's nice to see a wine list that's priced fairly as well. So being in the industry margins. Yeah, me. you can look at yeah. a wine list and, th- and think, wow, like they've really cranked up. <laughs> The price on that one yeah because you know what you can buy it for even in Duns or wherever yeah right? so um so yeah it not being kind of punished for drinking wine as well yeah um, but also you know, having the confidence to charge the appropriate amount of money for wine yeah i was having a conversation with a winemaker in mornington who said you know why have you got so many kind of cheap wines on your list and i kind of said well you know i want to have something there for everyone and he is of the opinion that restaurants in mornington don't charge enough money for wine so they're kind of scared of having elite wines on their list and they want to have cheaper wines on the list, more because the food's expensive, I yeah. don't know. But yeah, I've never really thought like that. I've worked at restaurants where people are happy to drop money, so I've always felt quite confident talking and selling those wines and justifying the higher price tags that they um, demand. Yeah, But yeah, good spread of prices, good spread of wine. But
0: you're not, if someone comes in and, and, and does order, a $20 bottle, well, probably $30, 35 40 bottle, more, you know, bottom end. You're not judging them. Like, you know what I mean? Realistic. No one cares, right? You're just you're enjoying the wine. It doesn't matter what you're drinking, does it? Like, some people get a bit embarrassed about picking the cheapest or whatever. Do you, do you know what I mean? But yeah. I don't think there's anything to be embarrassed
1: about. I'll pick the cheapest bottle of wine if, if that's the one I want to drink. It is what it is. I can tell you now that people don't pick the cheapest wine. So the cheapest wine on our list don't sell.
0: Yeah, because this, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's exactly what They're I'm saying. They're worried about it. They're embarrassed. Yeah. The people are embarrassed to be like, they look like a tight ass or whatever else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? A, I mean, it's weird, isn't it?
1: There's such a stigma around
0: wine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. We should just drop that. Like If you want to drink that cheap bottle... Do
1: you think about ordering the cheapest on menu tre- on an item? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, item on a menu? Definitely not. And you and you feel like you should know everything about... Wine, the way you do food, you know, like yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's, a, there's a strange insecurity about wine sometimes,
0: definitely. And yeah. I, I'm definitely guilty of that. I think, you know, if I wasn't such a tight ass, I'd probably be more, but I'm a little, I'm like, fuck, I'm not spending all that. No way, I've worked so hard for this money.
1: I think, um, probably a good representation of, um, yeah, different wine making styles as well. So, you know, that's maybe something that maybe a sommelier would know more about than anyone else but um, I I, you know on my wines by the glass page now I am you know I'm aware that I need a wine on there that maybe has a bit of skin contact Um, because they have a kind of gastronomic potential and I think that that's what people like drinking at the moment not saying I'm, I'm buckling to trends but you know you need to you've got to move with the times a little bit yeah you you need to yeah you need to evolve and as new winemaking uh, or you know in this case very traditional winemaking kind of comes back into vogue you can't just shun it because
0: yeah you've still got your head in the sand on yeah you you
1: need to and that's the great thing about wine it's ever changing and there's new regions and varieties popping up all over the place. So that's your job as a psalmist is to stay know, on top what's of it, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, keep on top of it completely.
0: And the natural going onto that, there's natural wines. That's getting yeah. the, you know natural wine bars, natural wines. You're hearing a lot about that at the moment. Yeah. You know, how did that? That must be difficult to judge as well, as opposed to like the usual way of tasting.
1: Yeah, I think um, yeah, probably the first time I tried a natural wine. Uh, yeah, I think I pretended to like it, but I didn't. Yeah. It's not off. And yeah, yeah, um, exactly. A bit funky. Yeah. So, and, and I think it's, you know, exposure. You, you kind of, like anything, you try it and taste as many of them as you can.
0: What is a natural wine? What's the difference between a natural wine and a, and a, and a
1: conventional one? There's no definition. Okay. So and it's, it's really hard to talk about because it's not like, you know, your wine can be certified natural essentially I guess it refers to a, a, um, a minimal amount of intervention so squeeze a juice put it in a bowl see what comes out roll it around yeah and then yeah don't no, no finding no filtration no additions no preservatives yeah you don't add yeast um, maybe out in the vineyard you, you, you don't use fertilizers and um, you know you, you know so yeah it, it refers to uh, um, a, a, a minimal st- method of intervention when it comes to so would to you wine. say it's how wine would, used to be back in the day that's how it would have been made uh, yeah I guess so um, the trouble is uh, yeah maybe there are certain elements of um, natural wine I think that do come um, from very traditional ways of maybe vinifying or ageing wine you know the, the use of amphora um, as opposed to oak um is a very traditional kind of roman method of storing wine and you know producers um over in europe um um you know the level of skin contacts you know um that they use that you know those kind of wines have really inspired um you know that new wave of slightly more natural minimal intervention winemaking he still uses sulfur you know he will he's he will say that uh, without the use of sulphur, his wines would essentially be vinegar. Yeah. Okay. So not using sulphur is is a pretty bold thing to do because you, you you're risking a lot. That money. You're, yeah, you're you're it's up. You're going to lose a lot. Big risks. You know, you're risking maybe potential um, wine faults like betranom- um, um which is like a um, like a yeast thing that kind of occurs in barrels and really imparts a bit of a nasty flavor on wine you, you, and the longevity of the wine as well yeah so you, you're, you're kind of I've opened a couple of um, you know sulfur free natural wines and you know, they come out and they're very vibrant and half an hour later they're, they're dead right okay.
0: so yeah it's, it's yeah, a yeah. risk it's a big yeah. risk um, I we had a bottle the other night to be honest and wine and I quite I quite like the funkiness of them I'm not big I'm not bothered, like, I don't mean, I'm not that that fussed what I'm drinking, to be totally honest with you. But, like, I quite like the
1: funkiness of it in some areas. Yeah, I do. I mean, I I appreciate the fact that they're a little more rustic. Yeah. Maybe they're a little bit more of an accurate representation of something. Yeah. For me, like, and I'm not a massive advocate of um, the natural wine movement like a lot of um, kind of younger songs are not younger but whatever it's I'm, I'm not trying to be cool and funky and, and hip and you know just exclusively sell natural wines cuz they're yeah. the most interesting thing they have to be like every other wine they have to be balanced yeah um if it's you know if it's a little bit too funky uh, a bit and, too much uh, yeah I, I i'll i'll I won't list it
0: especially especially like um if it's getting if it's in a restaurant mm. do you know what i mean like if, it, if it's too funky and there's food involved, it's a little bit different than it is if it was just you drinking it, you're tasting it. You know
1: what I mean? Well, that's the other thing as well. I suppose they're quite, they're, you know, they're wines that need food yeah. to understand. So, um, yeah, it's really, they're not the kind of wines that I would ever sit down in a wine bar and just have a glass of. Maybe I would. Um, yeah. They're interesting, but they benefit from having food. Yeah. If they do have a little bit of that skin contact that we mentioned, then they usually have quite assertive um, structure, you know, they're, they're tannic wines, even the white wines, yeah. especially the white wines. So you need something to counteract that. So kind of fatty, rich, protein, heavy foods are always good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, they're good if they're good. That's the truth of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then when you're saying fatty food and matching, that takes me on the wine matching and food yeah. matching. What, um, like what's the process with that? And you know, there's some of the, you know, like we've talked about the foie gras. Yeah and the dessert wine or the, yeah. the betratus or whatever and then you know the Shiraz and steak is a you know yeah. that kind of thing what, 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 what's the
1: thought process when, when matching wine with food? Uh, there's a couple of yeah, things that I've picked up along the way so that phrase of where it grows is where it goes yeah. so regional food matching with regional wine quite well so um, going back to the Loire Valley uh, like a crisp aromatic Sauvignon Blanc and goat cheese perfect yeah. you know yeah, that yeah. makes sense for me yeah. that makes sense um, you know uh, sake and raw fish sake and raw fish yeah, yeah. I mean I've, I've you know we. I've been um, using sake a little bit in Laura for um,
0: Laura being the restaurant you
1: work, yeah, work
0: exactly. at yeah um, exactly Point Leo
1: yeah. Point Leo Estate
0: in Wellington. Yeah. yeah and um, oh,
1: sake is a versatile one
0: I love it yeah honest man I love that stuff Filled. I first had it cold, uh, hot back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I thought that was it, but now you know after doing a few wine things, it has a bad represent um, a bad reputation. It's beautiful, a little bit like it's sherry. So yeah. It's
1: clean. It's so clean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it, 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 it's not it's not as delicate as I thought it was. It's not like you have to have a bit of raw fish to go with it, and it, you know it can stand up to bigger, richer flavors and textures. We mm. serve it at um, Laura with um abalone and um mm. like lion's mane mushroom that's been glazed with soy and um yeah like some really intense bold flavours yeah. and textures and it pairs beautifully. Does it? Yeah, it really does. I was I was amazed when I first looked at that and yeah, it blew me away. Um oh. Where are we going
0: with that? Wine matching. Yeah, yeah okay. So,
1: yeah, there's that philosophy. Where it goes is where, where it grows yeah. is where it I goes. like that philosophy. Yeah. Um, there's the philosophy as well of, you know, like um, pairing flavours with flavours. So, Chablis and oysters, you know, the Kimmeridian soil um, that occurs in certain places in Chablis is essentially um, fossilised oysters. Sh- Oyster shells, you know. Oh fuck me. Right. So yeah.
0: to say that again, I wanna get make sure people get that because that's really interesting. Yeah, so, so Shablis, Yeah. in the ground there, yeah.
1: there's fossils. Fossilised oyster shells. So kind of yeah, you know, ancient seabeds. Um, yeah. so therefore people you know, that is awesome. And that's why, yeah, that's that's why a
0: nugget. We call these nuggets. <laughs> we sit. we listen to a lot of podcasts at work yeah. and so you've got to listen to a lot of shite. I'm not saying this is shite, but yeah. I said you've got to listen to a lot of shite to find some nuggets. How long's
1: it taking for the nuggets <laughs> Now we're in fifteen minutes. <laughs> The, um yeah
0: so that's so annoying.
1: yeah so and, and that's why they don't use so much oak because that's unique to chablis and they want to they want to yeah they want that to be that's what chablis is yeah so um, i've never had that match. i don't think yeah so that's why that's why you know oysters and chablis are such a good match yeah um you know and then sherry and oysters as well isn't it At Fino you sherry F- yeah so you know yeah. that's a that's a that's a coastal area yeah um the wines are intensely salty, salty you know, yeah. you've got that kind of sea air kind of thing going on and yeah. again with oysters that's perfect. Um Bollinger and oysters, why? You know, like that's a that's a Pinot dominated, barrel fermented, toasty rich, masculine style of champagne. It doesn't go. And and that's the thing, like people think that champagne and oysters is the classic match. Yeah. Not necessarily. Think yeah. about Sherry, think about sake, think yeah. about Chablis. Um, I'm gonna
0: do. I, I want to get into that that Chablis and oysters yeah. definitely.
1: Yeah, um,
0: I'll remember that Chablis and oysters next time. I'll, isn't like that's something that when you go into a restaurant and you do your order oysters, now you now you can say you know I want to I want to get a glass of Chablis with these. Yeah, you can confidently and you, and now you know why that, that's a nugget I'm, Yeah, that's
1: awesome. I love yeah. that. That's fantastic. We're gonna do a little bit of training next week on fortified wines at the restaurant and you know i want people to drink sherry i want i want to sell sherry more. yeah sherry's awesome yeah Beck always drink sherry oh it's dangerous to have in the house yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so dangerous
0: and we're not talking thingy cream what's it called bristol it's cream bristol cream yeah. that isn't what we're talking you know it's proper it's, it's a lot different isn't it there's yeah. a few different kinds manzanilla is that right
1: yeah manzanilla fino. And yeah well, Fino is manzanilla oh, manzanilla is okay. an area yeah but it's a Fino sherry yeah I was listening to a a podcast actually on the way here talking about sherry and saying how the the quality of sherry has gone up, so but people the consumption of sherry has completely gone down.
0: I tell you something if you're looking for a value for money drink it doesn't get any better you No, know, I agree it doesn't yeah. get that if if you want it to, you know it, it yeah. is value for money yeah. I love value for money we, we talk about it all the time at work and that is a value for money drink
1: yeah I agree I really agree um, and then yeah so and, and then with sherry as well you know think about I, you know, this is what I always kind of picture you know drinking sherry being in a bodegas or wherever in um, maybe the southern part of Spain and having tapas and that's yeah. what sherry is for me it's a drink that you have with small little foods that maybe have saltiness or an intense olives amount. yeah olives yeah, yeah. like you nuts. know vinaigrettes and nuts yeah. and you know bold punchy flavors yeah um so yeah there's that kind of thing as well i think um thinking about maybe yeah pairing flavors with flavors like i said so a good example of that i guess would be gosh what's a good example of that pairing um old barolo with um truffles okay kind, you know like certain, earthy is that what you're saying yeah? yeah kind of quite earthy woody Wood. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, certain old barolas really you know um, conjure images of truffles and truffles grow in that part yeah, of the world yeah. as well it's yeah, no yeah. coincidence
0: yeah exactly yeah. exactly that no coincidence what are some of the classic combinations that you would say That's uh, is that one uh, yeah that's definitely yeah. one of them yeah seafood uh, you know scamp. you know seafood and insurance seafood <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so um, I guess, yeah, like kind of matching richer style seafood dishes with richer style white wines. Yeah. Think about that logically. If you've got a lighter, more delicate style of Riesling, it makes sense to enjoy it with raw fish because raw fish is a little bit more subtle. Yeah. Um, you know, Riesling has great acid, and raw fish can be quite rich and fatty, and the acid cuts through that. It's not very creative. When you think about food and wine matching, it's quite pragmatic you're thinking about fat content and you know it's not like being a chef where you're coming up with something quite new and you're using the left part of your brain being a psalm i think is pretty pretty you know logical i think Mm. you can you can be inspired so yeah let's use um you know red wine and cheese as a classic example of how um you know that it's it's very traditional you know i grew up um and my dad lived in france and when we drink red wine all the time with dinner, but when the cheese came out, you know, you'd get your good red out and have a bit of red wine with cheese. And, and it, sometimes, depending on the cheese and the red, those two things can be great. Sometimes they can not work. You know, yeah. like it's maybe depending on the cheese, it might be nicer to get a sweeter wine out or get a white, a crisp. Because if that's saltier, yeah, so you, then you go sweet and salty. Yeah, uh, you, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you know, like the way um, that certain wines, are, you know, our know, Comte is quite uh, yeah nutty. Yeah. So you match that with, Comte cheese. Yeah, you, you kind of match that with a nuttier style wine, so like maybe, toasted wine. Like is that is that what you, is well that, like, maybe wine that's been kind of exposed to a little bit of oxygen, so it kind of takes on a little bit of oxidization, so it becomes quite broad and quite nutty. Madeira that yeah. is a fortified wine that spends I love um, a prolific as well. amount of time aging in a barrel outside, and it yeah. kind of turns that kind of um, brassy, rusty color, and it becomes profoundly nutty and. But still has wonderful acid as well. So, yeah, I think um, that's a good example. Um, I think also opposites can work. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So you know, like I said, blue cheese and uh, can work nicely with uh, a cèton. Um, I guess it's blue cheese and honey—that's a classic.
0: You know. Yeah. Well, we use honey. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. The you know, same, same, same yeah. kind of same kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So there's no. Um, there are kind of rules you know classic food and wine matching um you know lamb and cabernet sauvignon um maybe um you know um mushrooms and pinot noir or duck and pinot noir duck and pinot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there are classics but you know there's always room to be adventurous and and experiment and that's what I like doing, that's probably the best bit of my job when yeah, something a, new comes on, you think, I wonder if that'll work. The problem is when you're going to a restaurant and, and you're not sure, yeah.
0: it's, it's easy to experiment when you do know it's not quite as easy to experiment when you don't know do you know what yeah. I mean like if you've got Doko but at the end of the day I love this and I, I don't know who I've heard a lot of sommeliers say they say you should just drink what you enjoy drinking yeah. find something that you enjoy and then if you're a sommelier just say I really enjoy Shiraz or but I'm looking for something a bit different yeah. and they can then they'll maybe recommend something a bit look up it's a bit strong I want to try and start going to something lighter or something along those right? I like wines from wherever
1: yeah
0: you know I don't know where wherever you know basically chilli let's say i really enjoy wine from chilli but i'm looking to broaden my my, my knowledge what can you make what can you what can you
1: yeah and that's recommend I mean, you know not not every restaurant has a son but when they do have a chat definitely yeah. take advantage of that make sure he's a nice guy yeah. and he's not trying to rip you off rip or, you or off. I don't know, I'm, I'm sure that they're not
0: i think nowadays people are getting it's a lot more approachable the guys are a yeah. lot more approachable and they understand that the, the need to to get the new generation on
1: board. Yeah, and and a younger generation of um, drinkers as well. You know, yeah, you know, like not everyone wants to talk to. Um, if you're, you know, if if you're, if I'm seventy years old, I might not want to talk to a kind of spotty twenty-four year old about wine. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah, you know, yeah. just sort of what I like and what I've drunk for years. But you know, I see younger people on dates, and the boy, the guy on the date isn't necessarily. An alpha male who's trying to impress his missus by his radical wine knowledge, he's like the way to impress your girlfriend I think was sit there and go, I'll have a chat with him and engage with him and definitely let's try this, be adventurous, try something different, step outside of your comfort zone. If you don't like it, what have you lost? Nothing. Yeah. Exactly,
0: exactly. I think like I say, I think it's quite good to have a a couple that you do like Like yeah. you know Like a, Whatever it might be Tempani or whatever And then at least You know you like that And then you yeah. can Because you say The wine The, the somebody says What do you like You're like yeah. I don't know If Even if you've got Just a tiny bit You can then Start the start the conversation off Do you know what I mean What are some of the If people do go to a restaurant Especially yours At Point Leo What um, What are some of the Some of the The wines that you should be looking for winemakers that you
1: can look for for under a hundred bucks. What would you say? What are the, give us a couple of wines? What about? I mean, yeah. I mean, let's. I was thinking. I, I think Beaujolais is good. And Value for money. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you know, if you if you like if you like drinking Burgundy, I would definitely encourage you to engage with Beaujolais because uh, it's an area. Maybe, you know, the the little kind of wave of wine makers that are coming through um are kind of a little bit younger and more experimental. It used to be quite hip, didn't it? Back in the day, is that right? I think I think Beaujolais probably has a bit of a bad, bad reputation. Name. Yeah, it's known it's kind of yeah, Beaujolais Nouveau is largely to blame for that. Yeah. kind of wine that you could drink in the shower because it's so dilute and <laughs> tastes of nothing really, but I love a beer in the shower. I don't know about a wine. I have a cup of tea in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> but um if you're looking at the north part of the northern part of Beaujolais which is higher in altitude and split up like burgundy is with crude areas so that's kind of areas of growth certain areas yeah, certain crews taste different to other crews so you've already you've got that kind of Burgundian model where you can oh, i really like um the Cote de Brie and fleury and i don't care much for morgon yeah right, so yeah, yeah. yeah so i think I think, and the good thing about Beaujolais is it's really affordable, and as soon as you pop the cork, it's just ready to drink and delicious. Yeah, so Beaujolais is a go. Beaujolais is a good go to f- for me. I think. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, and I, it's relatively good priced. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. Definitely. Um, it's versatile. Yeah. You can drink Beaujolais with seafood um, and you know richer kind of red meats as well. Um, I'll get onto
0: this Beaujolais for sure.
1: Yeah, drink some Beaujolais. It's not
0: something that we I normally go to. Well, yeah. definitely something I don't go to. Yeah, so I'll definitely get onto that. Especially value, I love value for money. Honestly, that's what you've got to find, man. Don't, it's our generation, know, I reckon. Do you?
1: Yeah, I, I love a bargain.
0: Uh, yeah, a bargain. Like, <laughs> why pay more when you can get the same for cheaper?
1: Like, I just yeah. don't get it. Like, yeah. I mean, I really, and some, you know, yeah. some um, entry level wines. They're they're just one. They're a wonderful. They're wonderfully approachable, and there's not so much bells and whistles thrown at them. And for that reason, they're maybe a little bit more charming. Yeah, yeah. They may not be as polished. They not, might might not be as rich, <clears throat> as long lived. They're still good. Yeah, if, yeah. If, if yeah. someone talented makes them, they're still good. I, and that's what's good, probably, about Mac Forbes is that you know, his, um, his entry-level wines his Yarra Valley Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and and his Strathbogie Riesling is as good as it gets I think yeah, oh
0: yeah. man I love this stuff honestly and then yeah. another one that I go to as well if I see it the Riesling Dr
1: Dr. Lucen. Dr.
0: Lucen, German yeah. Riesling isn't it yeah yeah I yeah. like if I see that I'm always pretty keen on, on getting that as well especially I've... if you're having spicy food is that right fuck I hope that's right it's so
1: fuck. good yeah I, I, I've got a soft spot for um, him because I've served him, and he's a very, oh, have you? Yeah, he's a very eccentric person. Yeah, uh, he grows wine all over the world, but he is um, God. He was a nice guy to serve. German is he's German, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. He said to me, um, you know, I want to drink some Australian chardonnay, and I want something that's got minerality. And I gave him a bottle of um, Bindi Quartz, which is from Macedon, and he loved it. Did he? And he's kind of yeah. He was like, have a glass for yourself. Talking to me about his wines and. Yeah, he was a lovely guy
0: Dr. Lucen,
1: right? Yeah German, is it German Riesling? His name's Ernie Is it? That's the second reason I love him, yeah Yeah, awesome Because uh, Your son's called It's a family Ernie. name, yeah. yeah I think it's Ernst Instead like, of Ernest So yeah, yeah. it's Ernst Lucen, And he makes um, Yeah, he makes some Riesling From the Muzzle Valley Again, good value yeah, it's really yeah, good it is, value. Yeah. But then he does he does some top notch IM stuff as well. But you
0: can still get good value stuff. I've had good value stuff off of them, you know. And the bottles yeah. are always really slent, or Not all again, limited knowledge. But the the bottles are always like nice, slim, and look pretty cool. I like the bottles. Um, yeah.
1: Do you know another good producer? Actually, just yeah, off the on. top of my head, yeah, is uh, I really um, am enjoying the wines from Fighting Gully Road in Beechworth. Oh, so I they're, they're made by Mark Walpole, um, and. If you if you're talking about value for money, they're so good. Other yeah, I mean we we pour his rosé by the glass at work. I love rosé, and it's one of, it's my favourite wine by the glass. Um, you and and it's so you know I can I can actually it's good for me as well because that wine can maybe be open for a, a whole day and I look at it again the next day and it's still singing <laughs> like it's so good. Yeah, okay. From so what's that interview. called? Fighting Gully Road Fighting Gully Road yeah yeah, yeah okay. I'll take that out as well After very, very good yeah. works with uh, you know a bit of the alternative varietals Tempranillo and Sangiovese
0: yeah Rosé got a bit of a bad rap for a while there but yeah. it's uh, it's pretty good with Shakuri as well it's yeah Rosé for yeah. sure
1: we serve it with uh, caviar at yeah. the yeah. restaurant yeah but um, yeah Rosé yeah it's a bit of a people are very much, very conscious of the colour of Rosé now it's a big thing what do you mean? It, well, you know, if, if it's a little bit too dark, people... Too red? People, yeah, people tend to think, oh, that's going to be a sweet rosé, I'm not going anywhere near that. They right. like the kind of much paler, paler yeah. orangey y kind colours, oh, yeah. Colors, yeah.
0: Um, so... As it, a male, It's do you find a bit funny holding a glass of rosé? Does that ever come into your head?
1: No, but I'm not a typical male. <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: it's, it's a bit like drinking a martini
1: when I was younger um, I remember this so well you know when The Office came out yeah yeah, yeah. we used to on a, it would be aired I think on a Friday night so me and my mates would go um, to my friend Will's house and watch it before we went out to the pub must have been 18 <laughs> maybe 17 yeah and they'd all be sitting there with their cans of carling and all that I, I'd have buy a bottle of Ryoka. would you <laughs> what well, a cigar so, so you're all smoking wheat reefers and you're smoking your cigar so such even at that age I, and I always have been I think I've always just been an old man yeah, trying yeah. to get out of a young man's body I don't, never played football I always played snooker Did you? <laughs> <laughs> that's how you got the complexion <laughs> but I, Yeah, but I'm yeah I'm not afraid to admit that i I'm, you know a lot of my friends um uh, women, you know, I grew up with a sister and and, and lived with my mum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not a manly man. That's all right. Yeah.
0: Who gives a fuck?
1: <laughs> no one gives a fuck. but that. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, it, I probably feel more self conscious drinking a big tannic red wine. It's a, almost. A little bit too masculine for me. <laughs> like, kind of struggling to lift the glass yeah, up. Like. I, don't think I, can ju- I, I can't pull this off. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and when, when, you, when you are tasting wines, you hear so many words, don't you? Like um, yeah. legs.
1: Legs, yeah. Yeah, um, big, round. I think it's for me, it was that moment where you stop talking about what the wine tastes like to a guest and you start talking more about what it feels like. So instead of saying to a customer, oh, this wine is nutty, well, that's great. What's my interpretation of what nutty means and what you think it Snickers. means? Snickers. I'm yeah, thinking Snickers. It could be quite different. Yeah. Um, but if I tell you that the wine is opulent and round and layered or, you know, oily, I'm describing a mouthfeel or a, I mean, I'm describing something that's actually physical. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot handier to talk about wine in that you know um, less specific way as a song uh, to guests because it's a little bit more immediate you've, you've probably got 20 seconds at a table to talk yeah. about a wine if I tell you the difference between this wine is that that one tastes like um, white stone fruit and that one tastes like yellow stone fruit that's no good you're not you're going to say well I only drink yellow stone fruit <laughs> wines yeah. but if I tell you that one's slightly leaner and that one is you know much richer and rounder and um, full body for body or chair yeah, yeah exactly that's a lot handier to they, that kind of language is more useful in a restaurant yeah
0: yeah and you hear
1: some crazy terms like oily rag oh yeah so you're talking about you know like um, yeah, you know on that documentary song I haven't seen it it's yeah, just it's something like is it Riesling oily fame, rag? yeah he kind of he, he's describing a wine um, as he's training to be his master sommelier, Ian Corb, I think his name is, and he describes a Clare Valley Riesling as smelling like a freshly opened uh, carton of tennis balls. Isn't that amazing? Like I, I, and that's, you know, I, I think um, you, could, you could kind of look at that and think to yourself, that's ridiculous. You know, but it's so specific, it's ridiculous. But something, has, that wine inside inside him, uh, as he smelled that, it's like conjured up a memory from somewhere. Well, that's what, exactly
0: what I was gonna say yeah. next. Yeah, it's memories, exactly yeah. that. Yeah. That's where you're pulling it from. That's where you're pulling them flavor. And yeah. I, I wish I was a bit smarter, but there was, someone said that you can, with taste, you can only remember X amount, yes. but with smell, it's like 25, way, way, way more with smell yeah. and memory Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it takes a while to get into that level of flavour tasting. At first you taste it, you're just tasting acid or you're just tasting your your gums being dragged off your teeth or you know whatever, that's how it feels, a taste at the beginning and you've just got to keep drinking through that to be honest and then you learn to taste it. But listen, um, you hear carver, champagne, prosecco, sparkling wine, what's like, what? What's the
1: difference between all that? Yeah, again, it's an old world, new world thing. So, um, cava is a place. It's one of those appellations that isn't actually specific to a uh, cava, I guess. Yeah, cava refers to a Spanish, Spanish, white, you know, sparkling wine made from red and white grapes, vinified essentially like champagne. And Prosecco is from... Prosecco Italy? is, a, yeah, it's from Italy, and it's a different method of carbonation, essentially. Um, it's not method champignoir. It's like kind of um, tank method. Right, so, okay. you know, that, that gas uh, doesn't come from a secondary fermentation in the bottle. Oh,
0: they put it in there, do they? Yeah, so,
1: yeah, it's, it's, so interesting point. Going back, you know, Prosecco doesn't really see lees. It doesn't have that leave, contact with lees. Right, so okay. it's a lot leaner and yeah, yeah. a little bit of more... Floral and and primary. It's not as secondary in terms of the flavour yeah. spectrum.
0: As in, it's quite one dimensional.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's easy to understand. Yeah. It's accessible. Maybe yeah. it has a little bit of sugar as well. Yeah, uh, it's lighter and it's a little bit more delicate. Yeah. You know, the leaves. In champagne um, adds texture and richness and and complexity as well and sparkling is more sparkling wine you yeah, know it just refers to a wine that has yeah um, but effectively the, they're not all the same I know
0: they're not all the same yeah. but really one's from Spain one's from Italy one's from France and
1: one's and they're from, all sparkling wines and they're all sparkling <laughs> yeah. wines That's basically so yeah it, I mean it? you know because it can confuse people you know it really can yeah you yeah. know, people say a good example of that when you're in a restaurant is people say oh can I have a glass of champagne it's not sensible to assume they mean French champagne at thirty dollars a glass. Yeah, yeah. They're probably talking about a local sparkling. Yeah. Um, so two things to kind of really bear in mind is that you know you you, you don't want to lecture the guests at the table that they're embarrass them or whatever. Yeah, you want to say yeah. oh, we have two different types of sparkling wine. Would you like the local? We've got a local one, or yeah. um, we actually have something from um, you know we have a champagne, champagne in France, yeah. which um, you know does it's usually a little bit more money um but man oh man there are some good uh new world sparking wines out there yeah we
0: had the one from tasmania i wouldn't actually i can't remember which one it was oh god i can't remember there's some good ones you know it's good much
1: cooler down there yeah stefano lubiana is one that we have on our list yeah that um, wasn't it which is very very good but um yeah you know that i think that's been earmarked as a, a great Um, sparkling wine producing Tasmania region because it's that much cooler yeah Yeah. I I think our vineyard in uh, Mornington would suit sparkling wine it's quite close to the ocean Mm. and the grapes that we harvest every year are quite high in acid Mm. we actually picked for a sparkling wine this year take a few years to get that you know out into the market but um, yeah um, there are some great examples of new World sparkling out there Uh, sorry go on sorry I cut you off there that was really well good. you know like we, you've got producers in the King Valley Italian families making great um, Australian Prosecco mm.
0: um, and then when you see um, last question before, I know we've got to go but um, the the, the so, I mean, pink pink champagne yeah and what is that just um, red wine Is it got red wine uh, skin on it is that what it is, is
1: that, yeah is that so yeah main, main you know one of those like moments when you're learning about wine where you're like oh that makes sense is that you can make a white wine from a red grape yeah if you peel the skin off a grape the flesh is the same colour really is a yeah. white grape it's really the skin contact that adds the colour
0: a lot of sparkling wines do have a red in it right
1: yeah yeah, yeah most of them do yeah um, yeah absolutely and if they don't they'll be labelled à blanc usually yeah so they yeah which is white and white white isn't it? from white white yeah. From white yeah um some you know sparking wines are, only use red grapes um it's really the contact with the skin that adds color yeah and so that's where you get the pink from, from the that's pink where shop. that hue comes from yeah. yeah i mean some um pinot pinot gris has a slightly red colored skin so if you do a little bit of skin contact with pinot gris or even Gewürztraminer, you can see it you know in the in the glass it looks like a rose it doesn't look like a white wine yeah yeah
0: Interesting. Okay, let's finish this up. bit of quick fire. Is
1: this a quiz? <laughs> it's, not, it's not a quiz. It's just
0: a, it's a multiple choice, we say. It's oh, two okay. choices. Yeah. Lambrini or 2020? Do you know 2020? No.
1: Oh, fucking that. Do you know what Lambrini is? Yeah, it's like a really insipid sparkling wine. It's
0: just a shit wine isn't it, that you used to drink, that the girls used to drink. When you were drinking your, your cheap cider, they were drinking
1: Lambrini. Well, that's the truth. I, I never drank cheap cider. Okay. Like, well, I mean... Um, yeah i have always for some reason when i when i used to go to the supermarket and pick those wines for those lads nights yeah i would look at the two bottles of rioca and look at the labels and see that they were different colors from the same producer one was normal and one was a reserver, and the reserver was maybe 10 pounds and I, i'd buy that one would you? yeah because I, I wanted to drink the best one and I'm I'm happy to pay an extra couple of quid to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've never really drunk anything as awful as Passion Pop or anything like that. Oh
0: that's twenty twenty man, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. Get it in like get it in like a watermelon flavour.
1: Watermelon twenty twenty, it was it was the goal. Look, when I was probably sixteen, everyone all my mates and when we used to go out clubbing we'd all drink smell of ice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, I come home with a headache and my teeth would ache. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you've screwed me, I was gonna say White Lightning or Strongbow. <laughs> Strong Do you know what, I'm gonna go Strongbow, but I have a connection with Strongbow. So when I was designing, um, I worked for an experiential, experiential marketing company called RPM, and one of their clients was Strongbow. So we used to build, design and build their tents for the festivals, and we'd go along to the festivals, build them, set them up, once we got it all signed off, we'd say goodbye, and we'd go <laughs> and wreak havoc for four days, and we'd drink stombo all, all day, week, all weekend, and then we'd come home with uh, we'd come back to the tent with the biggest hangover and lack of sleep on a Monday, and take it all down Perfect. and do another one two weeks later so, so Strongbow runs through my blood in a sense perfect yeah. um, I was going to say pizza and beer or
0: champagne and oysters you fuck me champagne and oysters thing but we'll just say which one
1: well uh, probably it would be champagne and oysters you know yeah, some champagnes it. are great with oysters I don't you know pizza and beer um, I love pizza and beer but not together for some reason they're, they're too two of them are too much for me if I'm going to have pizza it'd be with a glass of red wine I think perfect yeah. right. Mornington or the Yarra oh my god <laughs> that's a loaded question yeah. because i love the wines from the yarrow valley yeah but i work at a winery in mornington i think if someone said to me um which style of pinot or chardonnay do you love the most and you had to exclusively drink for the rest of your life i'd probably go yarrow valley would you yeah there's a lovely savoriness to those wines i yeah. think And yeah, it's a savouriness that's balanced with awesome fruit concentration as well. Yeah. But I think both are very exciting regions and and definitely definitely something to keep your eye on. Mornington, definitely a very exciting region. Definitely. They're getting some great chefs there.
0: Not just the wines, but they're pulling some great chefs there. Adam's down there, Phil's down there. Yeah. Some great chefs down there. Yeah. And uh,
1: you know, if you probably asked me where I wanted to go for the day, I'd probably head down to Mornington. Yeah. It's a great place to drive around. Yeah, definitely.
0: Shiraz and steak Or sake and raw fish Sake and raw fish Yeah definitely Well listen that's it Thank yeah. you very much for your time It's alright And if anyone wants to find you Instagram and all the rest of it And where you work If you want to come and try some of the wine Have a bit of service from you Tell us a little bit
1: where you're working Yeah so if you ever want to come and have a chat um, I'm down at Merrick's At Point Leo Estate um, We're open seven days a week And we're doing dinners Thursday through to Saturday night there's two restaurants there there's Point Leo and there's a um, digger station style restaurant called Laura even if you just want to come in and say hello please do it's such a, an amazing place there's a beautiful sculpture park a great cellar door great place for kids like it's kind of got it all really yeah it's a beautiful um, place we come yeah. we come
0: for lunch not just recently it was really it was awesome yeah.
1: and Instagram or anything yeah, yeah. yeah so um, I'm on Instagram Merch, which is i um, I'm I'm fairly new to Instagram. I'm a bit of a Luddite when it comes to technology. Yeah, but I'm really, right. I'm trying. And yeah, it's mostly wine-related stuff. So if that doesn't bore you, go for it.
0: <laughs> All right, mate. Have a good day. See you later. Thanks, everyone. If you enjoyed the show, please share with friends or give us a rating and review on iTunes or your podcast app. And until next week, have a good one.